0: So glad we get to worship with you this morning, and we just have a few things we want to make you aware of. Uh, first off, uh, on your seats as you came in, um, if you're newer with us or if you just haven't filled out one before, um, you'd have seen our connection cards, and we'd love for you to fill it out. Um, those are the best ways uh, for us to get to know you and, and kind of first connect with you and be able to, um, you know, honestly just get to know you and provide whatever um, you guys need and um You guys can uh, fill it out, and we have three boxes in the back uh, on your way out. We'd love for you to drop those off. Uh, That way we can get to know you, have your email and your your phone, and we can uh, provide whatever opportunities is best for you. Also, uh, next Sunday, uh, we are doing our annual SCAC food drive. So we're providing uh, food and other items for the uh, Springboro Community Assistance Center. Um, And so we kind of do this around the Super Bowl and there's a flyer out in the lobby that has a list of items. And then next Sunday, we'd love for you to bring them back and we'll have two sides in the lobby where you can put uh, the items by whatever team you think uh, will win or whatever team you want to win. I will be putting mine by the Rams. We can talk about that later. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, Yep. Moving on. Uh, So, uh, you know, our vision statement here at Southwest, part of it is all about strengthening families. Um, We know how much God cares about the family. And so uh, an awesome opportunity we have um, to do that is our father-daughter dance. Um, And so this is a really memorable event coming up uh, at the end of February. It's gonna be on a Friday night. Um, And so we'd love for uh, all of our fathers here at Southwest and their daughters to be able to attend, but also um, be inviting um, to those in the community. We'd love for this to be uh, an outreach event in that way and so uh, the signups for that are going to be on our website Uh, and then also uh, we have our Feed the Hungry event, this is back, we're so glad we get to do this again this year Um, this is an amazing uh, meal packing event that we get to send food all over the world so we host this at the YMCA and it's going to be Sunday, March 6th so we'd love for you to sign up and be thinking about who you you can invite, Um, this is an amazing way that we get to serve together and be the church, Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and then uh, Roger will bring our message this morning. Father, you you are so amazing. We just sang about how you sent your son for us, that that you thought we were worthy of, of that. And there was nothing that we could do, it was only your son's righteousness that could earn our salvation. And Father, we're so grateful for your love And God, we pray this morning that your love would motivate us to live differently, to live for you in all that we do, that we would just surrender everything to you and for your glory. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
1: I don't know about you, but I love seeing the joy of uh, people being baptized into Christ. And although we typically show the... uh, previous year baptisms in January, it just seemed to fall in line perfectly with this message series we're kicking off today, which is focused on just strengthening our relationship with God and with each other. And and we're going to be talking about how that applies to those that have experienced that new life in Christ. But before we go any further, let's just pray and Thank God for those that have experienced new life in Christ this past year and those that will experience it this year as well. Let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we just thank you that you are a great, almighty God that we have sung about today. And Father, I know my heart is just uh, lifted today by the songs we've sung, by the just the praise that we've been able to just uh, share together in of you. And thank you for the privilege to be able to now to witness uh, just some baptisms that occurred last year, and not only here, but with our partner church in El Salvador. And we're just encouraged, God, how you're working, how you're, you're uh, touching hearts and changing lives. And we want to be a part of that, Father. We want to be that faith community where lives are changed where families are strengthened, and where purpose is found in your Son, Jesus. I pray, Father, today that you'll just uh, give me the words to share that can really speak into lives that are present here and pre- present maybe even watching live stream. And I pray, Father, that as a result of today, our hearts will be drawn to you and you will see our need for each other. And the need to strengthen our relationships with each other is never before. So I pray, Father, that you'll just show up in an amazing way in the rest of our time together as you already have, the time we've already spent. We lift all this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, here at Southwest, we love to celebrate baptisms and the joy of seeing individuals surrendering their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And yet we understand that baptism is not the end goal, but simply the beginning of that faith journey of following Jesus. And when we examine the very beginning of the church, as we read about it in the Bible, we see that on, that, on the day of Pentecost, when the first time that the gospel message was preached after the resurrection We see that 3,000 people respond and are baptized into Christ. And as a result of that, then God begins the church. And they serve as a model for generations to come as the type of relationships that we are to have with each other within the life of the church. We read about this in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you might want to follow along. We're going to pick up Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Here in this, this wonderful passage describing the early church, we see the basic practices of Christian Relationships that include the four activities that are demonstrated in Acts 2, verse 42. As we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We're going to look at each of those aspects of what it means to be in God's church, what it means to be in relationship with each other. First of all, we see that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. We see a devotion to the teaching that Jesus had passed on to those first followers, his apostles. Today we have those teachings recorded in the Bible. This means that in authentic Christian relationships, we should be speaking God's written word into each other's lives. This is what we see described written in a passage found in Colossians chapter 3 when we read these words. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. You see, there's a significant distinctiveness about Christian relationships. Because Christian relationships are anchored in Scripture. Scripture. And scripture then serves as the standard and norm for how those relationships should be conducted, how the believers should interact with other believers, not only in our relationships but in our practices as a church and our interactions with each other. For example, the way Christians are called to resolve conflicts is the way that Jesus taught us to handle that. And this is so foreign to the way we see uh, conflict handled in so many other relationships outside of Christ. But listen to how Jesus taught us to interact with others, with each other and other believers. He said in Matthew 18, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Now, if we keep reading in this text, we see that Jesus says if if there still isn't a response, if there still isn't reconciliation, then you take it to the next step of getting the church involved. I just marvel at the wisdom of Jesus and His teaching. You see, if we take His approach, then we don't fall into the trap that we see so many people fall into, that of gossip or talking about people behind their back. But instead, going to that person individually, resolving that problem, so that the relationship can ultimately be healed and strengthened. As we seek to cultivate here at Southwest a healthy relational environment, we are committed to applying the teachings of Jesus in such a way that, that we can grow in our faith and we can grow in our relationships with each other. So We see that Christian relationships are first anchored in Scripture. They're first anchored in the apostles' teaching that we can read about in the Bible. Now, the second aspect that we see described in Acts chapter 2 about relationships are regarding fellowship. We see a specific word that's used in the original language to describe Christian fellowship. It's this, this word in the Greek that is the Greek word koinonia. It's a rich word that's found about 20 times in the New Testament. And so preparing for this message, I looked up each of those 20 occurrences of this word koinonia, so I could dig deeper into what does it mean to really experience Christian fellowship. And that word, what it means is it's it's translated, and depending upon the context you read it, it either can be translated fellowship, partnership, participation, contribution, or a common sharing. This is an active word used to describe a personal investment of self, time, energy, and resources to live out the one another instructions that we read about in the Bible. An example of this is found in Philippians chapter 2. And that word koinonia is found in this text when we read these words. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? any comfort from His love, any fellowship, there's our word, koinonia, any koinonia together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. In the context of this description of the Christian fellowship, which is only possible, as we read in this text, through the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, we see in the next two verses this selfless attitude necessary for the fellowship to truly occur in Christian fellowship, as the Apostle writes in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So as we work together with one mind and purpose to accomplish our mission here at Southwest, which is following Jesus, making disciples, it will take a selfless concern for each of us that goes beyond simply trying to impress one another or trying to have casual acquaintances, but to really learn to have those kind of one another relationships that we see described in the Bible, where we genuinely care about each other, where we sincerely seek to take the other person's interest even above our own, so that we can meet each other's needs. Now, this is something that I'm convinced takes a concerted effort on each of our parts because, honestly, we all have that natural, selfish tendency to where we tend to just think about our own interests. Now, this really hit me this week of how that self-centeredness is so easy to fall into. This week, like... Many of you on Thursday and Friday, I was trying to dig out of the snowstorm that we had this past week. Here's what I found Friday. Honestly, Thursday, I didn't try to dig out, I just stayed inside. But Friday, as I tried to dig out, okay, I opened my garage door and this is what I saw looking out into the drive. And so I started to try to shovel the driveway. And honestly, it took me more than one session, okay? I dug for a while, and then I went inside, warmed up, and then went back out. And in the process, I noticed that my neighbor next door was trying to shovel his driveway as well. Now, his his approach was a little bit different than mine. He was driving his car out, and each step of the way, and then he would shovel behind the car. And I found myself being a little critical, like, Why are you doing that? Why not just shovel the whole driveway the way I am? And I even had this thought as his car was getting stuck in the snow, I thought, you know, I kind of heard that voice. Maybe you should go over there helping. But then I started talking to myself. And I've got this condition, maybe some of you can relate to, it's called Raynaud's, that uh, my fingers uh, get numb real easily and I was wearing three pairs of gloves with, you know, heat warmers in them. You know what I'm talking about? And, and the ends of my fingers get white, and then they turn purple. Um, and so um, you don't ever have to worry about me going north, okay, from here uh, in mission efforts. I'm going to always go south, okay? But, but the truth of it is, is that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe I should go over there and help him. He's got his car stuck. And I thought, you've got oats. He probably doesn't have that. And then I thought, he's younger than me. You know, he doesn't need my help. And so I just silenced that voice that said, maybe you should go help your neighbor. Later, on my second time out there shoveling the driveway, he was returning, and his wife got out of the car with crutches. And I didn't realize that over the weekend, she had fallen and broke her leg. And I thought, why didn't I listen to that voice? Why was I only concerned about my interests, not the interests of my neighbor? Deeply regretted it. See, it's so easy to get that inward focus, isn't it? Instead of saying, okay, let me get out of myself here a little bit and think about the interests, the needs of others. You see, to really practice this koinonia, we have to be in tune to the needs of others. We have to look for ways that we can meet the needs of others and not simply our own. How have you been doing? So easy. I mean, I confess my tendency to be self-centered. But it's so important if we want to experience the kind of relationships in the church that God has called us to have, it means that we have to deny ourselves and look for ways to meet the needs of others. I'm encouraged that during this snowstorm this past week, we had phone calls and emails being made from member to member in the church checking on how they're doing. But sometimes it's simply the little things of helping a neighbor shovel his driveway or helping a brother or sister in Christ in the church by checking to see if they need their driveway shoveled, or going to the store for them or dropping off a meal for them. For us to truly experience koinonia, this Christian fellowship, there needs to be an active sharing of our lives with each other. And we must learn to not only look for our own interests, but also the interests of the other. This is simply not a call for the leaders of the church, although we're called to practice that. But it's a call for every follower of Jesus. Jesus. How about you? Are you doing your part in the body of Christ? Are you doing your part of koinonia where you're saying, hey, I need to quit just thinking about myself and I need to ask myself, what are some of the other needs? What are some of the other concerns of others in the body of Christ? And how can I use my time, my gifts, my resources to help meet some of those needs so that we can experience true Christian fellowship. As we keep going in Acts 2.42, not only were they devoted to the apostles' teaching, not only were they devoted to fellowship, they were devoted to breaking of bread. Now, this description of Christian fellowship would include communion as we break bread and, and share the cup every Sunday here at Southwest as we keep our focus on why we are doing what we're doing, who we are following, and why we're following Him. And yet this breaking of bread goes beyond just simply our times of communion together. As we see later in Acts chapter 2, in the text, in verse 46, we read these words, "...every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes." And ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here we see at the very conception of the Christian Church three important aspects of their relationships with one another. First, we see they continued to meet together, which is an important spiritual discipline for followers of Jesus. And this discipline, by the way, has been severely tested over the past two years with the challenges of COVID. And yet, as we read in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 10, we read these words. And let us consider how we may spur one another on, one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the concerns that I have as a result of the challenges that we have faced the past two years is that far too many people have got into the habit of simply isolating and not meeting in person with other believers. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm grateful for the technology that allows us to live stream, and we have some people today, I'm sure as we have every week, that are live streaming our services. We have about 80 uh, devices every week that are live streaming our services, which could represent up to 160 people. And so we're grateful that people through technology are able to experience our worship services even if they're not able to be in person And yet, live streaming and the technology we have through YouTube and other uh, means are not long-term substitutes for actually meeting together with other believers. You see, we were created in God's image to be in relationship with God and to be in relationship with each other. And let's make sure that we don't get lulled into the false impression that Christian worship and fellowship are simply spectator activities that you can watch from your living room on a regular basis in your, in your pajamas. Now again, don't get me wrong. If you're sick, stay home. Okay. If you're on vacation, you don't have to miss times of worship with others here at Southwest. If, if your family is facing some specific health challenges, then all, by all means... Take advantage of the live stream and encourage others to do the same. Yet, let's not get into the habit of literally phoning it in, okay, in our times of worship and giving up on meeting with other believers as there is so much encouragement that's received by being in the same location, in the same room as other believers. It's in that setting that we can experience koinonia, as we've described it earlier, which is not simply watching or observing others' worship, but it's an active participation and sharing with others. This week I had a conversation with a young parent who's been very concerned about her younger children getting sick from this pandemic that just continues to seem to drag on over time. And I shared with her, I I truly get it. And I'm not against taking precautions. I've taken my own precautions. And yet I shared with her, I'm more concerned about the long-term results of children and families not being in the habit of meeting together with other believers. On the one hand, we have fear that something bad could happen to children if they're exposed to something and they get really bad sick, and I get that. And yet on the other hand, if we give up meeting together with other Christians, then I'm also convinced that all kinds of bad things can happen to young people. And also older people. Because in this world, we're continually pressured by outside influences to make bad choices and to go down the wrong path of life. So I encourage this young mom to take precautions. And if she feels more comfortable coming into times of worship with others, to wear a mask, to have her children wear a mask but I also urged her to take spiritual precautions to make sure that she was building into her regular practice of meeting together with other believers for the future welfare of her children and her family. You see, in all the talk of physical precautions, are we taking the necessary spiritual precautions? to assure the long-term spiritual health and well-being of our children and our families and even yourself. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir today in this room, but maybe there's somebody that's watching on live stream that needs to hear this today. And maybe you'll be encouraged to take that step of returning to in-person fellowship, with other believers, so that you can truly experience koinonia. Or possibly even somebody in the room today can share this thought or share this message with someone who's been maybe fearful and staying away from gatherings like this. Now this doesn't mean that meeting together always has to be collective times of worship together, although that's important. And I know for me, just singing these songs on Sunday morning, seeing other people sing, seeing other people clap, lift hands, I mean, it, it does something for me and my, my soul and my spirit. And I hope you sense that as well in your life. But sometimes it's meeting together in the large group. Sometimes it's simply meeting together to have fun with each other. That's why I was so encouraged last week of the great turnout that we had of 4th to 12th grade students that went snow tubing. This is our group of about 70 students that went last weekend snow tubing. Isn't it encouraging to be a part of a church that kids are doing things together, having fun, building relationships, learning at a young age to experience koinonia? I, I love it. And uh I'm not sure if all the drivers to the snow slopes had as much fun as the kids did, just saying after talking to some of the parents, but, you know, needless to say, I was very encouraged and grateful for the leadership of Nathan Mitchell, our student minister, and Tammy Stahl, our kids minister, and how they pulled off that event to have such a great turnout. It's so important that we provide people of all ages an opportunity to meet together, to build relationships, to return to relationships. Now back to our key verse in Acts 2, verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here we see from the beginning of the church the value of the large group experience as they continued to meet together in the temple courts, when they were encouraged by the larger body of believers, but also were told that they also broke bread in their homes. Now, in this mention of breaking bread in homes, we see the closeness in proximity that comes from spending time and sharing meals with others. Now, this biblical example is one of many reasons why we continue to emphasize the importance of small group participation and the importance of developing those closer-knit relationships in those relational environments where we can really get to know each other and we can really help each other grow in our faith. Yesterday morning, I was so encouraged to participate in a men's breakfast that approximately 30 men from the church, met together, and here's just some pictures of that gathering, and, and uh, they broke bread, okay, honestly, I think there was more breaking of pastries than bread, but, uh, and there was some breaking of bacon, okay, but, but uh, Rocky LaPrade, our connections minister, did a great job of creating an atmosphere where we could experience breaking of bread, having some fun, sharing some laughter. We did some table conversations, getting to know each other. But a real highlight for me was when one of our members here at Southwest, Andy Krupa, got up and shared his faith story of coming to Christ. And Andy shared just the difference after attending church for years, the difference, the making that step and getting involved in a small group and the difference it made in his life. And then he shared how that taking that step gave him the encouragement to take that step of totally surrendering his life to Jesus and being baptized at the end of 2020. It was a moving testimony. And I'm so grateful for Andy that he shared it. It was, it was powerful. In a book that the ministry staff is, is reading together this year, Entitled Disciple Making Culture. We've been learning together the importance of cultivating an environment that we can all grow as disciples, as followers of Jesus, and that we can learn from each other how we can influence others, how we can make other disciples. This week we read a section together that the author wrote these words. Relationships today are often measured by approval from others on social media platforms or by a timely response to a text. The kind of relationships that foster biblical love, though, requires that we fight against secular culture's relational unhealthiness. We must pursue a biblical love that demands we prioritize our time and actually be together. So here's my question for you today. Are you prioritizing your time to spend time together with other believers? Now, I know you did today, and that's great. I'm glad you're here. But are you committed to regularly meeting on Sundays with other believers in these larger group? You know, the, kind of like the meeting in the temple experiences that the early Christians had. But also, have you made that commitment to follow the example of these early Jesus followers where they met from home to home, where they broke bread and really enjoyed time together, whether it be, you know, at a fun event like snow tubing of our teens this past weekend, or breaking bread at a men's breakfast, or maybe hosting a Super Bowl party and having a couple other families come over and cheer on the Bengals. I don't know what's wrong with Nathan, but... Uh, Cheer on the Bengals. Let's pray for him. Okay, but anyways. (laughs) Or regular meeting together in, in both of these large group settings, but also small group settings like we do in our small groups. Now we have over 20 small groups that are offered throughout the week. Have you made the decision to prioritize your time and make that a priority in your life? The final aspect of these early Christian relationships and devotional the devotion was the devotion to prayer. We see in the early Christian fellowship a strong emphasis on prayer. And not surprisingly, we see a sense of awe and expectation of God showing up in their fellowship in a supernatural way. After the description of the early Jesus followers' devotion to these four spiritual disciplines that we've looked at today, the the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer, we immediately read this in verse 3, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Possibly we have missed out on the power and the supernatural working of God in our lives In the church, because we've not been devoted to prayer as those earliest Christians were. Let's remember what Jesus taught If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. As we remain or abide, as some translations read, in Christ, as we remain in fellowship with each other and make that a priority, then we can have confidence that God will hear our prayers and that He is waiting to unleash His power on a group of people that are really taking Him at His word and are serious about remaining or abiding in Him. Personally, as I wrote out my goals for 2022 at the very top of my page, I wrote this. My number one goal in 2022 is to abide in Christ daily so that the Lord can produce much fruit in my life, in my family, and in this ministry. Have you made it your number one goal in life to abide in Christ? If you have, and you can have confidence that God will answer your prayers, and that God will bring about some amazing fruit in your life, and in your relationships with others, and in your efforts to reach out to others. The past two weeks here at Southwest, we've started a new practice. I don't know if you've picked up on it, but if you've given us your information, and if you haven't, this is a good reason to do that. If you've filled out one of those communication cards and giving us your email, we'll send you every Monday a, a, a prayer prompt. Just a, a prayer reminder. So this past Monday, this was the prayer prompt that you should have received in your email box. Pray that you would grow a heart of urgency, a heart and urgency for reaching those without Jesus. Specifically pray for God to show you you one as Southwest makes disciples in 2022. That was what we talked about the last two weeks, and that that was our prayer prompt this past week. I'm convinced that if we will take to heart this prayer, praying that each of us can influence at least one person this year. If we take to heart the example of the, the early church and their devotion to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of brand of prayer, that we'll see God break through in some amazing ways this year. And that we'll see the Lord bring about great results of people coming to Christ. As, as we see in the early churches, that whole section that Acts 2, 42 through 47 concludes with, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. As one writer put it, when the church is the church, the world is drawn to Jesus. We started this time together and message by watching a video of approximately 13 people that were baptized this past year, 2021. That's almost monthly. My prayer is that we'll eventually see weekly baptisms. And then eventually we'll become like that early church where we'll see daily baptisms of people surrendering their lives to Jesus. And I'm convinced as we grow in our relationship with God and others, that God will just keep drawing more and more people to this fellowship. That'll be a natural result of us experiencing that Acts 2 relationship. So if you want to know what our monthly prayer focus is this month, is that our relationships with each other will grow deeper and stronger. And that we will live out the Southwest vision to see families strengthened. And in the process, more and more people will be one to Christ and the church family will be strengthened. Of course, as we talk about experiencing koinonia, in a faith community, we're reminded that we're a community faith that's following the same Lord and Savior, Jesus. A verse that describes communion that we practice every week here at Southwest uses that word koinonia twice. See if you can pick up where it is. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 16. It says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing? There's our word in the blood of Christ. And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? You see, when we come together, one part of koinonia is sharing communion with each other. Communion is not just a a practice of an activity between us and God. It's something we participate in together as a community of God. So as we observe communion together let's realize it's a sharing it's a sharing in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ let's think about how that that common sharing draws us together as God's people let's pray together Father we thank you we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We thank you for this description we read today of the early church. Father, we long here at Southwest to be that Acts 2 community. That you're at work in amazing ways. That more and more people are being drawn to your son. And that we're truly experiencing a sharing of life and faith and love. And Father, we know it's all centered because we are following the same Lord, Your Son, Jesus. Thank You so much that He came to this earth, that He died on the cross for us. His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven and so we could experience the life You've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray.